we're going to continue our series in the book of Philippians, and uh, I want to talk about one thing, one thing, and there's something incredibly compelling about the idea of one thing that makes a difference. You know, if I just do this one thing, I'll be successful. Or if I just change this one thing in my life, it's going to make all the difference. If I just buy this one thing and don't buy that one thing, I'm going to have eternal happiness. I just love that idea of one thing. It catches me every time. You see it on the internet. This one thing is going to make a difference. I can't resist. I have to look at what it is. Okay, eternal happiness, buying one thing and not buying another thing might be a bit far. But if there was one thing that was going to make all the difference to your Christian life, wouldn't you want to know what that was? Because that's precisely what Paul talks about in this next part of our series on imitating Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, he says there's one thing that makes all the difference. He says you've got to run. He says you've got to run to win, run to keep your eye on the prize, run and don't look back. Imitate me in this, he says. It's going to make all the difference. The Christian life is like a race and you've got to run. So how are you doing with running the race? What's hindering you? In Hebrews says we've got to lay aside every weight. What's disqualified you? Paul tells the Corinthians to exercise self-control. Who has cut in on you? Galatians talks about being taken out of the race, the danger of being taken out of the race. One thing I do, Paul says, that he wants us to imitate. So it's time to dust off our running shoes. There's a race to win and a race to be won. So I just want to pray for you for a moment because it is hot and sticky and Sunday afternoon, but I think this is an important message for us to hear. So can you just stand with me a minute? I just want to pray. And maybe we'll do a bit of standing and sitting and moving around the whole time. So Holy Spirit, we just want to feel the wind of your spirit in this message. Because there's nothing better than running when the wind's behind us. Or even cycling when the wind's behind us. Father, we pray that the wind of your spirit would blow on us this afternoon and run us into your purposes. Get us caught up again with the one thing of pursuing Jesus with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. So come and help us, Lord. Come and help us to hear this message from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to take you through Philippians chapter 3 from verse 10. And I'm going to go right the way through to chapter 4 and verse 1. And I'm going to look at what motivates us to run. Who needs motivation to run? Um, And I'm going to talk about how we run and the challenge to keep hold of what we've already won so that we'll go on to maturity and be like Jesus. So that's kind of where we're going this afternoon. So just read to you from Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 to 14 and Paul starts with this overarching desire to be completely identified with Jesus. He says verse 10, I want to know Christ. Anybody else? Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Not so much. Become like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is Paul's version of I want to imitate Jesus with my life. 
but he hasn't got there yet. Verse 12, this is encouraging. I haven't already got there. I haven't already obtained all this. I haven't yet arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Running the race. Okay, for those observant people amongst us, Paul never used the word run. That's what's implied. He's talking about this race called the Christian life. And it's an endurance race. Perhaps it was an Olympian one like you would have seen in Rome in the Colosseum from where he was writing. And Paul is still running because he hasn't yet arrived. Anybody else? I haven't quite got there yet. He says, I've not reached the goal to be like Christ, but I'm straining towards it. So he doesn't want the Philippians to think that he's got there yet, that he's got it all together. He says, I'm not the finished article, but this race is the pattern of my life that I want you to imitate. Keep running towards that goal. Which sounds like an awful lot of effort to me on a hot sunny afternoon. All this running. And you may have gathered, looking at me, I'm no runner. Uh, I'm a pretty good walker. Uh, When I was a teenager, I was a pretty good sprinter, but I've never been a runner, especially long distance. I just didn't have the physique or the stamina. I know. I, I mean, it's just the way it is. So where does Paul get all his energy from to keep going? What's his motivation? Well, it's not about Paul's own effort and determination. He says something got hold of him. And he's compelled to take hold of it. Verse 12, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. So it's like the starter's pistol sounded and Paul is already running. He heard it there on the Damascus Road when Jesus stopped him in his tracks where he was running a very different race towards murder and destruction in Acts chapter 9. God stepped into Paul's life with a flash of brilliant light. He fell to the ground and Jesus confronted him with his sin. And he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Paul answers, I'm Jesus. It's me that you've been persecuting. I didn't realize that, Lord. I'm the one that you must obey from now on. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Bang! The starter's pistol has sounded. Paul wasn't given any time to think about it. He wasn't given any opportunity to debate Jesus' command, well, just who are you anyway, Lord? He wasn't given the opportunity to look at other options. He'd been given his orders and he was commanded into the service of the king. And yet so many of us thought we'd had a choice. Thought, well, I made a decision for Jesus and I invited him into my life. That somehow we got saved by being smart in weighing up the options. Paul says, Jesus got hold of me. 
And now I'm running to keep up with him because I want to take hold of him. I want to fully identify with him and obey him in all that he's commanded me to do. But you see, God initiates our salvation. God initiates. Paul says, he got hold of me. The Apostle John says, we love because he first loved us. John says, God sent his son into the world to come and get us. The father ran to the prodigal son, not the other way around. Because you see, the race doesn't even start with human effort. So why do you think it continues in our own strength? The race is straining forward in determination. No, it's kind of a supernatural magnetism. I can't help it. Paul says I'm compelled because Christ got hold of me and he won't let me go and now I can't stop running after him. And so before we even consider the race, I want to ask you a really serious question this afternoon. Are you in that race at all? Are you actually in that race? Have you heard the starter's orders? You know, when did Jesus get hold of you? When when did you first encounter him? You know, it might not have been a flash of light on the Damascus Road, but can I ask you, when were you saved? This is a really important question. This has got external consequences. When were you saved? When did you first call him Lord? Paul fell to his face and says, Lord. Realizing that you had no choice but to follow him. You need to know the answer to this question. It's it's not enough just to drift along and think that coming to church every week or so (laughs) makes you a Christian. Each of us need our own conversion experience where we enter the race you know for me it was when I was four years old even at such a young age I had a strong encounter with Jesus and I can honestly say that I've not been able to deny him since I had a jolly good try going to discos and a teenager but that was about it never stopped pursuing him something got hold of me Someone got hold of me and he's never let me go. How about you? I just felt like I had to ask you that question this afternoon. Has he got hold of you? Are you a Christian today? Are you compelled? See, Paul says, I have no other choice. I've got to run. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not kind of, oh, maybe, maybe I'll be a Christian, maybe I won't be. No, something gets hold of you. He does. And you're never the same again. So has he got hold of you? Yep. Or are you just drifting? Just drifting along? Well, I want to leave you with that question. I'd love to talk to you about that a bit later if that if you think, actually, I could do with talking about that right now, it's a serious question that you need to know the answer to. So I want to speak now to those that know that they're definitely in the race. I want to talk about how do we run. Well, Paul says you've got to run to win. 
keep your eye on the prize and run to win. Verse 14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. See, Paul's goal is to win the prize. Now, I don't know if you're the kind of person who is motivated by this kind of thing. You're kind of naturally competitive. You like to win. Or whether you're the kind of person who says, I never win at anything. And you're kind of proud of that. I never win at anything. So that kind of motivation just isn't going to work for you. Well, listen, let me tell you this. The Christian life is meant to be won. <laughs> It's a race that you're meant to win. It is. You are meant to have victory in your life as a Christian. You know, you are meant to overcome. I don't think we talk about this often enough, but listen, can I ask you, are you winning? You know, what have you won? What are some of the battles that you've won recently in your walk with God? You have to, because I can't resist. I've got to read Romans 8. If God's for us, who can be against us? <laughs> You know, he who didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us, how he will not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Say that. Give us all things. Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's interceding for us. Who shall separate us then? from the love of Christ. Shall trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger or sword? Whoa. As it's written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, say that word, convinced, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Just one little thing. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? It means you've already won. Already won. Through him who loved us, we have already won. Somebody who already has some victories under their belt. Say that to yourself. I've got some victories under my belt. We're on the winning side. The outcome is guaranteed. God is for us. Jesus is with us. His spirit is upon us. So why aren't we always winning then? Why aren't we always winning? Distraction. See, the trouble is we can become distracted in the Christian life. Distracted by difficulties. Distracted by temptation. Distracted by other people who are not running the race as they should. You know, Tom pointed this out a couple of weeks ago, that there were people in the, in the church at Philippi grumbling and complaining. Well, crumbs, that never happens here. But in Philippi, they were grumbling and complaining. You know, distraction is a strategy of the enemy because guess what? He doesn't want you to win. He wants to take you out. 
He wants to bind you up. He wants to tie your legs together so that you trip and fall and never get up again. He wants to weigh you down with condemnation and despair. He opposes us in the race because he's called the enemy for a reason. Paul says you've got to keep your eye on the prize, straining for what is ahead. That's what the straining's about. So what is that prize then? You say, well, I don't need a prize. I'm doing it for love because I'm a good Christian. I'm not running after a Christian medal. It's just part of my service. I don't want to be a Christian celebrity or hero. But the prize has nothing to do with human applause. Paul's sights are on a future glory for the people of God, which is even now pressing in. Have you seen it? Do you know what the prize looks like? See, Paul's gaze, he says, it's heavenward. He's looking into heaven and the company of believers that's made up of every tongue and tribe and nation. He sees a glorious bride getting ready for a wedding. That's how he sees the church. He sees a kingdom that's coming and even now is. He sees a prize, which is that we're going to be like Christ when he appears. How amazing is that? The prize of our salvation, the salvation of all peoples everywhere. Paul says we've got to run with our eye on the prize, run in such a way that we're dissatisfied unless we see the signs of his kingdom breaking in. You know, we can't have all the reward now here on earth. But there are so many foretastes of future glory that are even now breaking in. How many can we have? I don't know. But let's just try and get more than we have. The kingdom breaks in when miracles appear, when God heals people, when demons flee, when salvation comes to our friends and our families and our communities. We run and we pursue God that we will see these things even in our lifetime. Keep your eye on the prize, which we see as foretastes of the future glory that's to come. Father, will you please enable us to see these things in our day? Signs of your kingdom breaking in. We ask you for salvation. Give us new spiritual babies in our lives. We ask you for that, Jesus, please. We believe that's what you have for us. We want to see demons flee, Lord. Father, we want to see people healed, lives turned around for your glory. Amen. Paul says we're to run, but we've got to keep our eye on that prize. Paul says, run and don't look back. Verse 13 says, one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. We're to forget. We're to forget what is behind and focus on what is ahead. You see, runners in a race, I don't know a lot about running, but I've picked up one or two things. They, They don't look back. If you ever watch runners, they don't look back. They've got to keep their eyes on the finishing line. They can't afford to look back. Do you know why? Because a runner who looks back is likely to trip. You know, they're going to go out of their lane, they're going to get entangled with other runners, and they're going to fall. And sometimes we can run and kind of look to the side, be inspired and challenged by those that are running up along with us who cheer us on or challenge us. We need that when we run. 
But it's part of our job, you see, as a community of believers to encourage one another to run. That's what this is about today. I want to encourage you to run. Keep running. Don't give up. But looking back is a sure way of going back. Going back to past sins and past behaviors. Things that God's already dealt with. Things that he's forgiven and yet they can fascinate us again. But it's not even just the negative things he wants us to move beyond. He wants us to look beyond our past successes even. Because we can get distracted by these. We can fall into past complacency and we think that we've already made it in some way. Keep running. Go after more. There's more to gain. There's more to win. Don't look back. So are you still running? I feel like I'm running through this sermon, man. Are you still pursuing the promises of God? Are you still believing for more of his kingdom here on earth? Have you got some people to run with? Now, we need a running club in the church, not the physical kind. Calm down. Uh, But are you still believing for more of the kingdom of God on earth? Have you got some people to run with? Don't look back. We're to run because Jesus has got hold of us. We're to run because we're compelled. We mustn't look back. We need to run to win, keep our eye on the prize. This is the one thing formula that Paul gives us for success in the Christian life. And this isn't just for apostles and people who we might think are extraordinary. It's for all of us. It's for all of us to go on to Christian maturity. So there's also some ground for us to get hold of and to hold on to. Paul changes the picture a little bit in the next few verses. Referring back to what we've already seen, he says in verse 15 and 16, he says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. And what that means, that, here's his exhortation, hold on to what you've already won. Hold on to the ground. It's a bit of a military picture. He talks about the need to live up to or hold on to the ground that we've already gained. The spiritual maturity that we've already won in Christ. The battles we've already won. You know, it's like the time, there was a time that you refused to give up. You know, but now the fight's gone out of you. Hold on. I'm not going to give up. It's like the time when you stood on truth, but then now you allow allow some of the lies to inhabit your airspace. No, don't allow the lies to inhabit your airspace. It's like the time when we can be tempted to stop praying and stop believing and stop asking because, well, we've asked for so many times. No, don't stop asking. It's like those times when discouragement comes in, when disillusionment settles in our hearts. Don't allow that. Keep running. I had a moment with God recently where he spoke to me about a spirit of weariness. Looking around this room, I think there's a bit of that. um, Spirit of weariness has come on many people because of the pandemic, especially leaders. And it's different to tiredness because when we're tired, we rest and we feel better. Whereas weariness is due to constant fighting contending, decision fatigue, you've heard about it all. And the result is give up, walk away, 
do something else. Anybody felt like that at all? And God just said to me, you need to rebuke that spirit over your church and over your leaders. So I just want you to know I have been. But I just rebuke it again. The spirit of weariness that's come on anybody right now. In Jesus' name, and I set you free. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Anyone? Don't stop running. Don't stop fighting. Don't give in to weariness. Go on to maturity and maintain the ground you've already won. Stand on the ground of God's faithfulness over the years and use it as a foundation to advance from. Don't give up on the race because we need your example. We need your example of endurance and faithfulness to follow, which means that we go on to maturity, which means that we can be an example to one another that others can follow. So very briefly then, the last few verses, um, Philippians 3, 17 to 4, 1. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before, and I'm going to tell you again, even with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. And their mind set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Now, you kind of uh, miss the fact that Paul is now saying, follow my example. And he's, he said in a few verses before, I haven't yet attained. I've not quite got. So now he's saying, follow my example. What's this about? Well, he's not being egocentric. He's already said he's not there yet. And he's also said in verse 17 that there are those others that can serve as examples as well. And he says elsewhere that his example is worthy of emulation only insofar as it in turn follows the example of Christ. But here's the example he wants us to follow. Run. <laughs> he says, follow the pattern of my pursuit of God and others like me. Let that inspire you. I'm still running despite all the hard things I've endured. I'm still running despite the discouragements and the opposition. And there are others around us that are doing the same. Don't give up. Don't look back. Keep your eye on the prize and stay in the race. I was doing a very manly thing yesterday. I was doing a barbecue, you know. And I had the coals, real charcoal and everything, and I had my fire lighters. And I got some of the coals hot. And then what you have to do, because I read it on the internet, you have to get all the hot coals together so that they touch one another, and then they all become hot. That's what we need. That's a picture of what it means to be church together. We need everybody together to be heated up with the power of the Spirit and inspiring one another to keep going after God. Let's keep running. 
Let's keep running. Let's keep pursuing him. So are you in the race? Has Jesus get hold of you? Are you compelled? Because Paul says, I've got no choice. I've got to run. So I want to encourage you to run and pursue God. I'd ask you as well, what ground have you gained in the last few months? In the last year, what have you gained in your Christian walk? Keep hold of it. Let it mature you. What battles have you won? Share them with others. You know, those battles can become, for others, our testimonies can become their prophecies. When we overcome, we can help others to win too. And for those who are, have been running the race a little longer, not looking at anybody in particular, but I want to ask you, how are you going to finish that race? How are you going to finish the race? See, I love the fact that although when Paul wrote Philippians, he said, I'm not quite there yet. He was then able to write to Timothy and say, I'm there now. To Timothy, chapter 4, he says some quite different words. He says, I am ready. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who've longed for his appearing. I just want to inspire you with that. I think that is just so inspiring. Paul says, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm going to finish this race, fight that good fight, and I'm going to keep the faith for his glory. Have you finished your race? Not yet, but you will. I want you to finish it in victory. We want to finish that race in victory and giving glory to God. Amen. That's it. Can I just pray for you? I know there's a lot of energy in that talk, but I hope that some of it has caught you, caught your heart, even on this Sunday warm afternoon. So just stand with me for a moment. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and touch us. Father, when we communicate, we do so inadequately with just words. And Father, I want to ask you that your spirit would land on our hearts. Will you catch us up again with that compelling desire to run after you? And Father, if we've lost it a bit, if we've got a bit weary, if we've got a little bit distracted, Father, we, we ask your forgiveness. Lord, will you get us back in lane? Get us back in the race, Lord. We want to run after you. We want to pursue you. Father, thank you that we love because you first loved us. Lord, will you reveal more of your love to us? And Father, will you draw us like that supernatural magnet after you to win that prize and to finish the race well for your glory.